0: Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. This is episode 37. I'm Dylan Murphy, uh, broadcasting from the smoggy, smoggy uh, city of Hanoi, Vietnam. Where, and uh, I'm here my husband.
1: Yes, and John's in his basement. John, where <laughs> are you right now? I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado, hanging out. Classic. Yes. As, That's where you from. As always, it's not nearly as far away as Hanoi. Yes, so John I wasn't going, well depends on where you are, so John I I was going to ask, uh,
0: I was going to actually save my reaction for what you just told me for the podcast, okay, before we started recording. So John you just told me you bought a new guitar this week and I got suitably uh, excited and then you told me it's a seven string. It
1: it is, it's a seven string. Are you joining a corn cover band? Hopefully not. No, no. I mean, you've heard me talk about all the weird like prog metal stuff that I listen to. <coughs> yeah. So I've I've been borrowing a friend's Schechter seven string or so for about the last year. And frankly, I just I don't like it. I don't like the way the neck feels. I don't like the way the body feels. So I just haven't really been using it. But I've been meaning to do some writing on one. And so I finally I was out shopping with my brother in law. He decided to Take the plunge and buy an electric guitar. And while I was there at the shop, they had someone who had just sold them a Jackson seven string. Okay, so Jackson, of course, a Jackson. Yeah, right. And and they were kind of like, okay, listen to this. It's a little. It's more than you think. Okay, and they said it's it's the baseline model, but. Your man redid the frets, redid the pickups, shaved down the neck so it plays better, okay. lowered the action, got uh, locking tuners on it, and put a whole new bridge system on it as well. It's like, okay, yeah, okay. completely, yeah, all, all that work is worth more than the guitar. <clears throat> We're selling the guitar for $150. Okay. Well, that's, that's all right. Yeah. That's, 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 and that's cool. I traded uh, a couple of pedals, one of them, the little alligator pedal that I've just, I, I haven't used in probably like seven or eight years. So I got rid of the little alligator pedal and uh, I got the thing for, it was, you know, less than 120 bucks. So, okay, there you go.
0: Right there. Yeah, I can't, that's okay. Tax, you know, <laughs> so um, it, I, I take my, like, I take back my, my furious, <laughs>
1: right. it It plays great, and it sounds pretty good too for a hundred and fifty dollar guitar. Like, uh, I'm I'm happy with the purchase. I'm not gonna lie. So yeah. Okay.
0: Let let you keep us posted with how you get on with your your seven string compositions. Though I have to say, Neely brash friend of the show, she's a she's a seven string
1: head. So. Yeah, it's true. Well, and Yvette Young, too, and she usually plays it clean. So... Okay. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Okay.
0: Hmm. Shall we move on to our Lick of the Week? I believe it's my choice this week.
1: Oh, it is, it is. And I've got it right here in our Lick of the Week folder. So here we go. I'm going to give it a listen. Okay. Okay. Alright, okay. it's not you, is it? It's not me, no <laughs> Okay um, Yeah, that fuzz pedal Golly, that is a fuzzy tone Holy cow yeah. It sounds like one germanium diode Just <laughs> out ready to explode That's what I love about it <laughs> uh, um, so, so you're not going
0: to get it Because no. I didn't even know I didn't even know the name of the guy I just knew the song And I don't know where, how it came up Okay, I'll tell you how it came up. My two of my best friends, uh, Stephen Sharp, the singer, and Steve Bennett, the comedian, were doing their annual New Year's Day ritual of watching the Charlie's Angels duology, and uh, <laughs> all two movies they do it every year. And this, thank God, there's not a third one. This uh, surprisingly, there's not a third one. Uh, this results in them sending quotes back and forth within the group, and. I was like, actually, the soundtrack for those movies isn't that bad. So I went back and they have, oh, right, they have Girl Like You by Edwin Collins, which is the song. And I was like, I fucking love that song. Because I grew up, that song came out, I think, maybe 94, or 95. One hit wonder. But it's just, it's kind of like, just got such a vibe. And then that guitar, which is just fuzz to the nines. It's one of my favorite tones ever. And it's just such a simple riff, and you don't hear it in pop music, but it was like, reached the top 10 anyway. It's all about the vibe. It's not so. It's easy to play, but the feel it just fits so well with the backing instruments and the vibe of the song. Thought I'd throw it in there. Something different from your all your Steve Vai stuff. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we made it five minutes without without saying Steve Vai. <laughs> cool. So uh, yes, Edwin Collins, uh, uh, a different choice for my lick of the week.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you you brought it up when we talked about fuzz pedals
0: i did i did yeah. one of my it's just as as a tone it's one of my favorite fuzzy yeah, warm fuzzy is, tones is
1: uh, now i'm mildly embarrassed that i didn't catch it because i was like okay i know i've heard this before like where where have i heard this and but yeah Attorney's Qual- angel soundtrack quality fuzziness okay. there
0: you go <laughs> pedal talk this week we are talking about something a little bit different
1: uh it's we're not, not talking technically about it. a pedal is it a pedal well, I mean it could come with a pedal. It could come with a pedal. So it's the axe effects,
0: everybody, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yay. So we we did the katana a few weeks back. This week, the axe effects. Yeah, or keeping you guessing. Similar. On your toes. Similar, yeah. but it's yeah. This is this is kind of the I don't know, the granddaddy of them all right now. And you look at their artist list and it's I don't know. Pick a name. They're on there. You know, Mm -hmm. Steve Stevens, Dave Mustaine. We discussed this
0: a few weeks ago uh, with Jim West. He's a big fan.
1: Yes. I think he he says he uses like two of them or something like that when he tours the world. Like, you know, that's if all you need is two little boxes while you tour the world. That's pretty impressive, I'd say. I don't know. Mm. I'm not necessarily an expert in the XFX, but that's...
0: No, and I wasn't convinced until I heard that the Edge uses one. And I'm like, okay, that sh- says a lot.
1: Yeah, of all the people. That, yeah. Yeah. If he can condense his rig into a couple of these boxes, like, I'm pretty impressed. Pretty impressed. Yeah. So, John, for the, for the uninformed, what is the effects? The XFX is a rack mount unit that encompasses just basically every amp you can possibly imagine, every cab you can possibly imagine, and then you are able to put in front of that any effect you can imagine, and then infinite ways to tweak it. So it's it's absolutely it's it's a ridiculous piece of hardware filled with a ridiculous amount of software. It, at least that's probably the best way I would put it. It's, and has it been around for long? Um, not terribly long, but I do think, I think it's about 10 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, they started in 2006. And so a little over 10 years, but yeah, it's, they've, they've been working on it for a while. And the, the first Axe Effects I think, came out, right around then um okay so talking about pros and cons
0: so the pros you basically have any guitar effect ever or amp sound that you
1: want right yeah pretty much like there's not and here's the other thing that's interesting about it so you've got the what they call tone match available okay and the tone match allows you to if you hear something you can plug it in with the usb take your computer plug it into the USB on the Axe FX, and it will match the tone.
0: That's terrifying.
1: It really is. I don't quite understand how it does it, but it does it. Or your other alternative is have a mic'd up amp and do the, exactly the same thing. You can run it through your audio, your DAW on your computer, and then mm-hmm. r- again, run it in. You can even do a direct mic from your microphone straight into the axe effects and it'll map your your amp from that as well wow okay so if you if you've got a, a pedal setup you really like and this is something that guys like the edge do is they go ahead and they take that tone that they've crafted very carefully with a particular set of amplifiers and a particular set of pedals in front of it and they match that sound and then they play through it a bunch of different ways so that you know if the volume's all the way up, then they get the extra gain stages and those sorts of things off of that setup. And then they store it in there, and that's that setup. And so for each song, you, know, you can have it set up that way. And then it's MIDI controllable as well. So if you're running a live thing and it needs to switch pedals at a particular point, in theory, pedals in quotation marks where you would normally step on a pedal, you can have <coughs> your laptop change it for you as you're playing through the song wow that's it's absolutely insane i think like bands like periphery do stuff like that right yeah absolutely periphery run their whole show off of that so it's if if you think about that that's pretty amazing too they're they're obviously running off of a click i they i believe they use pro tools it might be ableton but one or the other and they run it off a click and then as it goes through those things, when they're playing in that song, you know, if, if they're going from the clean channel to that super high gain, overdriven boogie sound, then it, the axe effects just the computer tells it when it has to happen and then yeah. it happens and that's it. It's, it's pretty remarkable, but obviously crazy. that is you better make sure you're on time every time. that's it yeah yeah you miss out entirely you're screwed so i suppose like the
0: cons with the axe effect i mean okay we should probably say it is quite expensive um maybe not so much for what you're getting
1: yeah i don't know i mean that's kind of my thought with it if you look at it as something that can replace a whole bunch of amplifiers because they have these community forums too if you're looking for a very specific, like you want that Fender 57 Champ sound for your blues gig or whatever, and you want it to be authentic, there's somebody out there in the world that's already mic'd it up, run it through, put it up there on the forum, and you have access to it. So that's wow. super handy. Most of us are never going to be able to afford a, a real like 69 Plexi. That's yes. just, We're not going to have four and a half grand to spend on an amp but you have a perfect modeling of it right there in this box. So I would say for what you're spending, it does give you the opportunity to to have access to a whole world. But you're right. I mean, it's $1,800. The new one, the XL Plus, I think, is about $2,200, something like that, with the pedal as well. And that's something else we should say if you plan on performing with it, it's nearly useless without the pedal and you have to buy the pedal, which is anywhere between another like two and $300. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's a lot,
0: but that's, that's yeah. I don't know if, if that's what you want. Like I'd say this would be ideal for, I don't know for the whole performing side, uh, performing live. I don't know. You don't want to show up with like a rack mounted unit. It depends on the gig, I suppose.
1: But, right. I mean for this and it depends yeah, it does. Like if you're playing at a a small uh club, you know, not not necessarily a pub but uh, a venue that would normally have acts. You know, like a yeah, 2 to 200 300 person venue. So there's a good where they've got a real soundboard, what's great about the axe effects is you can plug it straight into the soundboard. And, as long as you trust the sound guy, like you're good to go you don't you know you don't even have to have the yep. a, a stage monitor, yeah, so yeah. wow, which, okay. which can be really good, sound guys love it, they will crank you as much as they need you, you know as long as you're not a hat, like <laughs> they're gonna they're go. gonna treat you well, so that said, you know if you're playing a pub, like you don't wanna trust the pub PA you got to bring an amp anyway. So, and that's where something like the boss Katana at a 10th of the price is probably more your amp than something like the axe. But the axe can be great in the studio and probably Mm. in a way that I think the Katana lacks. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That would
0: require, you know, um, uh, just, just a lot of miking and everything. And you, you, takes that time and effort away because paying an engineer like i've i've had to pay before for recording i've had to pay for like setting up stuff and let's save that time one thing i wanted to pick your brain on as well about this idea of being able to have any tone you know not instantly but at your fingertips is do you think it takes the fun away from pedals Mm,
1: that's like, an interesting borrow- question I've, I've been kind of in my head i'm sort of thinking i've been thinking about this like since we did the katana episode because i don't know man i in some ways yeah you know it it does the, the opportunity to kind of have a one-off something unique pedal which is what i love about brands like Earthquaker. yeah like, that's a really hard thing to duplicate could you do it inside of something like an axe effects to be honest i don't know maybe yeah um and they've added some things some special things for your reverbs like shimmer and crystals and stuff so if you're willing to put in the time to program it you could probably duplicate it but do you really want to put in the time yeah i was just
0: about to say like i love borrowing pedals off friends and like trading and stuff like that just figuring out stuff and just you know playing with tone with my amp and you know if it's all there i don't know it's just like trying stuff out and experimenting yeah and it kind of yeah. takes it, it kind of takes that spontaneity out of it but then again time is money john as i'm really learning so you know you gotta <laughs> why not i i'm oh, you're, you're kind of selling me on it john
1: A oh bit. oh man i don't know so i'm trying to i'm thinking about buying one of these units so we'll probably talk about the kemper and uh, a couple others that, that might be worth discussing, like the Line 6 Helix. You know, so if you're, gonna, if you're up to spending nearly 200 quid or 2,000 quid on, yeah. on one of these units, like which one's for you? To me, the Axe Effects, I think the interface is a little bit cumbersome. Okay. And I do kind of feel like you almost need an engineering degree to program the stinking thing. Oh wow! Okay, I, I, I don't necessarily. I, I don't think that's entirely true, but it just looking at it, it it doesn't seem as user friendly as some other things. And that what's great about pedals. I mean, it's plug and play. You don't have to. You twist a knob there, and you get the sound, and you're done.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: As opposed to something like this, which is pretty complicated, and you got to figure out your routing and and all the other things. It it's very it's a very in-depth piece of hardware and it just it doesn't seem super user friendly the the interface yeah you can there's a knob for value and a navigation buttons with arrows but it's that green and black whatever that is i i, yeah, I don't it, even want to say 8 bit screen because it's not even that it's not even colored man like it takes you yeah, back it, to the days of your commodore 64 like one color screen man. so so that's that's I, kind of yeah. that's kind of my take on on the axe effects like i'm not sold on it just because it doesn't look like it's easy to use and it doesn't seem like it's necessarily as yeah just user-friendly and okay. one of, one of the other things i'd say too is i just i'm not i feel like it's it still sounds like a computer if that makes okay sense. That's, and, and that's first show. me, and maybe I haven't heard enough of what it can do in terms of ant matching, but I still feel like, at least primarily the users that I'm aware of that use it, um, and it might be different in a live setting, but on records, I just, you know, I take a, a band like Animals as leaders, and don't get me wrong, I think they're great, and they're great players, but the, the tone just sort of sounds a little bit flat. And maybe that's just me pretending to be an old man many years <laughs> older than I am and just like, man, tube amps are the best. But yeah, there you go. Anyway, so th- those are my cons. Curious. It, it,
0: that's that's, that's good, good to know. Good to know. Pros and cons. Friends, let us know. Have you played the, through the Axe Effects before? Do you have any experience? Uh, would you recommend it? Would you not recommend it? Let us know. Send us a message on Facebook or twitter and uh we'll hopefully if we get any responses we'll read them out next week
1: yeah that sounds like a plan so send some hate mail or something
0: <laughs> uh, please uh, yeah hate but the hate has an eight in it um so <laughs> all right so uh we're talking about something we're going we're we're going back to basics man we're talking about practicing which is basically why we set up this entire podcast comes full circle full circle so maybe we should start off with the we're we're talking about the idea of chunking or breaking your routine into different you know parts to to practice on right? Uh, because you know uh basically not playing one thing for two hours and not getting really getting anywhere uh systemizing fragmenting other words as well so john i came to you with this video a few weeks ago uh, it's the very popular, uh, very, I don't know, uh, critically acclaimed uh, Music is Win, uh, yeah. who, yeah, he has done loads of things. He's got online courses. Uh, if he's listening, which he probably isn't, but, you know, if anybody knows him, we'd love to have <laughs> him on. He had this video about how to practice the guitar, and how to schedule your practice. right. And what he said was, he said that there are like eight elements to practicing guitar, ear training, exercises, um, scales, et I'm, I'm not, I don't have the entire list in front of me, but he says that you break this into parts. And he said, uh, you take six, for his practice routine, he had take six of these parts and he, ref, um, he plays through them, I think, you know, 15 minute blocks. And since then, I have been using this approach uh, to, for my own practice, basically breaking, you know, my day, the night before I will say, OK, I'll take six of these things and I will give you know an exercise to practice for 15 minutes. And what's good about this is that, you know, I have 15 minutes while, you know, I have a thought to myself when well, my girlfriend's gone for a run, I can pick one of these things and do it and I can tick that off and then I can make a plan for what I want to do the next time I want to practice that. Yeah, right. uh, so it's basically kind of goes with your your convenience, even like ear training is something you don't necessarily need a guitar for, you know, you can you can you can figure out you can use a, an app like an interval training app and you can figure mm-hmm. out stuff there and that could be a 15 minute thing uh, for you to practice as well. So Dan, what, what are your thoughts towards this chunking
1: idea? Well, yeah, we've talked about it before. Just kind of breaking things up, and I, I i like I like the idea, and I like the approach. I I'm not sure how useful it is necessarily for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, ear training, whatever. What is your goal with the ear training? For a lot of my students, they just want to be able to play some songs that they know and love. You know, that's great. And so for them, I'm not. I'm not going to say spend 15 minutes of your practice time focusing on being able to hear a third or whatever, but being, but maybe, I mean, I could, I'm not going to say there is not value in ear training. There absolutely is, but I think it depends upon your goals and maybe at a different stages in your practicing. So for me, I'm not, I, I, I like the idea, but what I'm focusing on right now is learning a piece. Now I mentioned, and I mentioned, Last week, I think I was working on Eugene's trick bag, which I still am because it's not easy, and gosh, it's an exhausting piece, but that in and of itself is basically a bunch of different exercises. It's a reason why it's a trick bag. You know, it's got string skipping and sweep picking and arpeggios and alternate picking runs and open strings and all this other crazy stuff. That to me i 'm looking at that like that 's a set of exercises and it's a it's a piece and learning a piece I think is a different skill than a lot of the stuff that he covers so if you're working on scales working on scales is a different skill than putting that together into improvisation now improv is one of his his things on there, but mm-hmm. it's still important to chunk you know whatever it is that you need to work on because you mm-hmm. can't focus on I think they say the human the human brain can't really focus on something intently for more than 45 minutes. Yes. John, as someone who has taught people who have taught children, we know human attention span is a, a fickle mistress. Yes, exactly. So I don't know, man. I mean, that's a, a, I think it's, I think it's a good approach because you're, you're blocking things off. So whatever it is that you want to work on, even if it is just a piece of music, recognizing that, Hey, if you want to play the whole of hotel, California, Realize that just working on the chords in that first verse, that's, you know, that's 15 minutes. Spend 15 minutes to work on that and really focus on that. And you'll make progress with it rather than try to play the whole song all the way through, for example. Yeah. Yeah, So I think the idea of chunking is solid. Um, I just, I'm not sure I would necessarily recommend to everybody to do the same eight things that he recommends. Yeah. He has two hours to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd say like figuring
0: out it comes back to I think what we said in even episode one or two Just like figuring out what you want to do And then taking that and breaking it into chunks.
1: Yeah, and and that's and I think in a way that's what he's saying And for most people we're trying to figure out like what's the best way How how do that general question? How do I get good at guitar? Mm -hmm. All of those things are important. You will need all of those things at some stage, but I think it's, for me right now, I'm not putting a premium on scales and ear training. Are there certain scales I'm working on? Yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, maybe I'll incorporate it into, or I'll find a piece that's already working on that. Or I'm working on a technique. I Right now I'm focusing on a particular technique. So if I'm focusing on that particular technique and just trying to really clean that up, then I'm going to mm-hmm. find other pieces of music or other exercises that kind of help me do that. Not cool. necessarily neglecting another technique or other aspects or a song that I have to learn or something like that, but just trying to trying to find that balance. And I think that's kind of the key. Ultimately, like I said, I think that's what he's getting at, but I'm not sure I would necessarily recommend that everybody work on those same things all the time. Yeah. Cool.
0: No, I like it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, friends, again, if you have any experience with chunking, how do you like to practice? Do you like to break stuff up? Um, Yeah, I I think with with me, uh, maybe we should just move on to what we've been working on so we can talk about this a little bit. (laughs) Sure. Okay, we're officially in the what we're working on part of the show. So I'm going to take this idea that we were just talking about and tell you what I've been working on. Uh, I've been working on four or five things. One of them is uh, I'm working on a bluegrass tune, Last week I did Blackberry Blossom. This week I'm doing one called Red Haired Boy, um, which is a bit more difficult because there is not that many versions online to listen to, like as mm. a song. And um, so I basically, it, it's also challenging my sight reading because I've gotten the, the music. There's tab as well, but basically figuring out the rhythms only by looking at the music and not having an, something by ear to go from. There's a Tony Rice uh, version of it. And Tony Rice is a, hecking monster acoustic player, but it's like, it's all about, uh, he, he doesn't play it the same way twice. So a lot of it is figuring out. So I will take that for 15 minutes a day and I will take four bars or eight bars, depending on the level of difficulty. And then I will, you know, practice that for 10 minutes and maybe revise the, for five minutes something I did the day before. So that's kind of good. Another thing that I've been working on is that's what I'm working on. Oh, I've been doing trying to learn a chord a day which is what I've, you know, basically trying to figure out. Um, for example, like I've been doing, I took got this uh, exercise on blues chords because, you know, we're all sick of the, the seventh bar chord shape. <laughs> so, uh,
1: you
0: know, learning like, you know, nines and um, minor six and all these different chords you can use just to substitute for, for you know, playing blues, um, which is cool. And then once I've got those shapes, I can basically figure out what notes I want to use and then do 15 minutes of improvisation over a backing track. I know we said don't use backing tracks, but for three chord progression, you know, for three, 12 bar blues with three chords, backing tracks do help with that. Right. Yeah. For, for timing and stuff. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on. Blue shapes, new chords, a bit of bluegrass. Oh, also I have been working on not related to guitar, well it is related to guitar, is my vocal technique in, I've been doing these training exercises where I have to, I'll play a note and I have to figure out the third, fifth and octave of it. Oh, nice. So that's been actually really cool, just playing a chord and being able to see if I can pick out the note without playing the note by itself. And yeah, that's something I've been working on. John, what have you been working on?
1: Well, uh, like I said, I mean, working on the uh the eugene's trick bag which and what is the hardest trick um the challenging trick yeah there's a couple of them so it's loosely based off of paganini's fifth caprice of course it is yeah right um which is also fitting for the movie so you're you're familiar with the movie right i am yes okay so, it's the Karate Kid with guitar. Yeah, should, should I explain for our listeners, maybe? Please. Give, okay, so this whole thing, Eugene's Trick Bag, comes from a movie called Crossroads, and uh, oh, I just forgot his Not name. Not the
0: Britney Spears, Spears movie.
1: Ralph Macchio, right? Yes. Yeah, so Ralph Macchio really wants to learn to play blues guitar, and he finds this mentor, and it turns out this mentor had sort of done the Robert Johnson deal with the devil thing. So this whole thing is sort of loosely based off of Robert Johnson and a lot of the Robert Johnson stories are loosely based on Paganini. So Paganini, of course, being this virtuoso violinist who changed the way people thought about and composed music and made it super virtuosic sort of in the 1850s and 40s and 50s. And he basically he was a pretty good violinist and then he disappeared. For like a year or two and became really good. And he came back and he was kind of gaunt and pale because he never ate and he never went outside. And, you know, sort of looked like Johnny Winter in a black suit. And everyone assumed, hey, he made a deal with the devil. Look how terrible he looks. And so he played it up, he made a big show of it. And then Robert Johnson kind of did the same thing. Robert Johnson actually started writing songs about making a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. And and so this movie Crossroads here we are full circle is um, kind of loosely based on that idea. Ralph Macchio meets this guy. Turns out the guy, you know, typical Faustian bargain, doesn't like the fact that the devil's going to get his soul. So to get his soul back, Ralph Macchio has to enter into a guitar duel with the devil's guitar player, who happens to be Steve Vai. So they have a little guitar duel, and in this guitar duel, Steve Vai plays this fancy thing, which actually ends up becoming a song of his called Bad Horsey later on. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, which you can hear it in, that mo- in the movie. You, you're, ah, that's what it is. But that was before he actually wrote it, and then or finished writing it. And then uh, Ralph Macchio... Comes back at him and plays this thing called Eugene's Trick Bag, which Ralph Macchio doesn't actually play. It Steve Vai wrote it, played it. And that was my next question. Yeah, and then yeah, not even close. His fingers sort of flop around the guitar like an octopus tentacles as they just sort of move up and down.
0: <laughs> in yeah. the
1: chord just sort of smacking strings and and then Steve Vai can't play it, and Ralph Macchio wins the guy's soul back, but. The, the whole thing is loosely based on, well, I shouldn't say loosely. It's very closely based on Paganini's Fifth Caprice. And so, anyway, point being, ah, ah, long story long. Yay, long story long. The I, I don't know. There's, there's a couple of diffu- difficult parts. So the arpeggio section is difficult because typically when you're doing like sweep picking stuff, you kind of stay in one position. This one moves around a fair bit. The, there's some alternate picking runs that incorporate the open string and it's, you need to be really precise about your fingerings and where you place them. Particularly, it goes up to like a G sharp or a, I think it's just a G above the 12th fret. So you're playing, what is that? The 20th? Uh, I'm the trying 20th to picture fret. it. And then the 22nd fret, I think it even goes up to the A. So just getting the fingering there and not screwing it up, which is typically if there's only like four videos of this thing online. So if you go look it up, Chris Zupas is one of them. And even Chris Zupa <clears throat> has a couple of mistakes during that section too. Ooh, Yeah. So don't tell him we said that. Um, and, then, and that's usually where people kind of fall apart on that. But anyway, so for, for, from my perspective, we were just talking about the whole chunking thing. Like that's how I'm breaking up my practice right now is I've got these, I've got essentially a scale and some exercises I'm working on. I've got a piece, two pieces that I'm working on and just trying to make sure that I can get these things under my fingers and get them up to speed in a reasonable amount of time. But a piece, less so fire and rain, but there's some interesting finger-picking stuff that happens on that piece. And then with Eugene's trick bag, Eugene's trick bag is – it's exhausting. I don't know how else to put it. It's just like the whole thing is at 150 okay. BPM and it's all 16th notes. It's just because of course it is to play. So getting, getting to the point where you can play all the way through it, it's, it's not easy and it requires a different set of skills than just playing exercises for 15 minutes. No, but that's anyway, def- that's chunky. That's so I, I think that's I think that's that's probably that for that section. But I am curious, what have you been listening to? I've been listening to so
0: John, I've been trying to do this album a day thing. And it's, you know, all sorts of things. Uh, mostly kind of singer songwritery stuff, because that's what I'm into. But I did happen to check out uh, sorry, Passion and Warfare by Steve Vai last oh. week. Oh no, this is, this is a Steve
1: Vai heavy episode. Oh my It is.
0: This episode is sponsored by Steve Vai um, (laughs) and his massive hands. Uh, So yeah. So the whole thing about me listening to these albums is I have to listen to one album twice a day so I Hmm. can form a more, you know, a a, a fuller opinion of it. And to be honest, man, the second listen was just, it it was hard. It's, 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 you know, that, that, Angus Young quote where he would listen to um, a bad Chuck Berry solo over a good Eric Clapton solo any day of the week. Well, I would listen to a, a you know a, a substandard Angus Young solo over any Steve Vai solo. I, mean, I just it's just there's too much too much going on. There's and too many notes. There's <laughs> too many notes. It's all about the notes that he doesn't play, but that doesn't apply here because he played
1: it whole enough. Um, yeah, all the notes, all the yeah. Time. So, are you familiar with the album? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the album that turned me on to Steve Vai. Yeah, there's, so, there's, there's a lot of the little yeah, skits is, in between, and some of it's some of it's weird and pretty and out there, and um, you know, his use of the harmonizer. I've talked about that a couple of times, and the whammy pedal, hmm. and, well, is all over that album. And so songs like Answers, where it's just this weird chordal thing that just bounces up and down the fretboard a bunch of times. It's, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I still love The Animal. That is one of my all-time favorite Steve Vai tracks. It's because it's got a cool riff. It's a great kind of back-and-forth sort of call-and-response mentality to it. And I think there's some cool composition things and some awesome tricks that he pulls off in that but there's other songs that it's just like oh really yeah. um the ballads off of that you know you've got i think for the love of god is off of that album and there's blue powder on that one too Yes, it is, John. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's just there's
0: there's a few. I'm like, why did you put that in there? Why? Yeah. Anyway, moving on. That's uh, we'll will maybe I'll listen to another Steve Vai album next week, but probably not. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what about you? What have you been listening to? Um, this week I kind of wanted to take a step back, and and I was thinking about listening to. Uh, a cup some some older stuff I was trying to think of like what's some classic albums that I haven't really spent time with, and I was thinking back and thinking sort of prague ish stuff and decided you, you know I, I never really spent a whole lot of time with yes, I'm not a huge fan, no to be honest, and so I was like, okay, maybe I'm missing something. I should go back and really have a listen to it. And so I went back to Fragile, which was their 1972 album. That's the album that opens with Roundabout and the eight and a half minute, you know, it basically takes up the entire side of side a of the LP. And it it was an interesting, (laughs) so yeah, I, I listened to it, listened through it a couple of times and just trying to digest it. And to be honest I'm still <laughs> it's not. It's a no. Really, it's not a yes. It's a no to yes. Yeah, I'm still not really a fan per se, but I really do. I I get why people are fans, you know, and particularly at that time. If I always try to put myself when I'm listening to an album from a particular era, put myself in the shoes of someone. It's 1972. What else is out there? There's a bit of Led Zeppelin, you know. That's uh, that, that would have been two, I think, maybe three mm-hmm. at that yeah. point. So you would have had mm-hmm. something like Immigrant Song out there, but nothing as harmonically and quarterly complex. I mean, you're dealing with Genesis and King Crimson out there and so similar things like that. But Yes really brings in the, a big, heavy jazz element, and a, there's a lot of classical arpeggios that Genesis isn't really doing and King Crimson is sort of bringing in some of those elements, but yes, is really bringing it together. And the musicianship is just, it's out of this world and the the key changes and all that stuff. In fact, that's, that's what it was. I was thinking. Reminds me of that Bill Burr
0: quote, you know, the better musician you become, the worse
1: your music is. Um, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> sorry. Ah, uh, there we go, John. Shall we leave it at that for this week's uh, episode? Yeah,
1: I think that's a good quote to leave on. Then,
0: <laughs> so remember, people become good, but not too good. Um, <laughs> leave you with that. Um, you can find us on Twitter and YouTube and Patreon and other different places as well. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure we're thinking of starting an Instagram account, but I don't really want to do it. So, well, we'll you know, leave feedback. Oh, and just soon we, a have our, our first, we have our very first—we have our very first uh, gear review uh, coming up soon. We're being sent some gear to review. Hooray! Well, I'm Hooray. super excited. Free yeah,
1: stuff. so am I. Always awesome. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. We are always welcome to. Uh, we're always welcoming people to send us stuff to play for free, which would be great. Uh, but until then, stay sharp, everybody.